Welcome back to yet another week of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com and MMAopinion.co.uk. Uh, co-host, as usual, Ian Bain, is out on studies at the moment. So joining me for this first segment to chat about this upcoming weekend's UFC 167 fight card is MMAJunkie.com stat man, Mr. Mike Bond. Mike, thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me back on, man. I really appreciate it. For sure. Now, before we get to the fights and, and talking about this upcoming weekend's card... Just let people know who we're going to have on the show this week. First up, we'll be chatting with one fighter from UFC 167, Jason High, who is taking on Anthony Lapsley on the Facebook portion of the card. Uh, We will then be joined by Five Star Fight League Vice President Tasha Mitron um, to talk about the British Columbia-based promotion and what they have in store for the future of uh, Five Star Fight League. So all that and obviously our talk between myself and you, Mike, uh, about uh, UFC 167. Yep, um, man, this is a big card. I mean, we've seen pretty much all the last couple of weeks all these crazy like countdown lists. Everyone's kind of recalling their favorite moments. So it's kind of a special moment for the time of the UFC, and they put a pretty damn good card together to celebrate it. That they did. Uh, let's start right off at the top with uh, George St. Pierre versus Johnny Hendricks. Obviously, for the welterweight championship, it's because it's funny because when the fight was announced. Um, I was all about Hendricks having St. Pierre's number because he has great wrestling and he has that punching power, which we've seen uh, St. Pierre get stumbled a few times, obviously the the one time when Matt Sarah beat him. But after watching the countdown shows and the prime times, I've wavered and I'm back on St. Pierre's side, uh, being the Canadian that I am and also just because it's George. Uh, where are you at with this fight? Man, I pretty much shared a similar similar uh, look at it. I was favoring Hendricks for a little while there, and then I actually went to Montreal a couple weeks ago when GSP had his kind of media day going on there, and he was honestly just in such amazing spirits. Like he was just glowing, light, like lighting the whole gym up. He was just in such a good mood that I was like, "Wow, I haven't seen George St. Pierre in a." place like this for a long time and then the following week the first prime time came out and that just even solidified my thoughts even more that he's kind of in a really good place right now so I'm like you I was leaning Hendricks at first but now it's kind of back on the GSP train because he's he looks like he's you know really at mentally at his top peak right now what was it like being at TriStar? Because it it wasn't only George St. Pierre training there. We have Rory McDonald training. Uh, Rick Story was there training with those guys. So what was that experience like? It was really cool, man. I mean, it was the first time I had ever been over there. So I hadn't really seen the facility before. And it's just incredible in there. They've brought in like the full size cage, as George kind of talked about in the prime time. And yeah, it was just it was an awesome experience. All the TriStar guys were there. Um, even some other people like Kelvin Gaslam and Rick Story, who George had brought in to help him for this camp. And yeah, it was a really cool experience. You know, got to do some interviews and kind of see some behind the scenes stuff that I really haven't gotten to experience much before. 
Do you see George being able to finish this fight? It seems like this is the one question people have prior to almost every single one of his bouts is, is it going to be the boring stalemate George St. Pierre that likes to take guys down and, and, and stall the bout to fin- to not finish the fight and, and just get the win? Because I hear so many people say on Twitter, on Facebook, that, that George is a boring fighter, but I sort of argue against that because... It's it's not boring when you look at the guy's faces that he's beating up after five rounds. But do you think that that this comes into play? And do you see George actually finishing this fight? I don't. I think if he wins, it's probably going to be another five round decision, which isn't really a knock on him or anything. I think Johnny Hendricks is just such a tough guy. I would really have a difficult time seeing him getting knocked out, and maybe a submission. I mean, if that's the most. Uh, that would be my most likely path for GSP getting a finish in this fight. But I think if he wins, it's probably going to be similar to what we've seen him mixing up, you know, the jab and takedowns and just keeping his opponent pretty much on their heels and guessing for the entire five rounds. And, you know, he's just going to be in position and trying to finish the fight, but I don't think he's going to overextend himself to do so. Like we've seen in his past few efforts. Yeah, for sure. And do you see Johnny uh, having George in precarious situations at any point during the fight? Do you think he'll be able to land that, that looping left hand that he, that he often lands? I mean, over five rounds, if that, if it goes that long, it's hard to imagine it not connecting at some point. I mean, if he, if he does land it and wins the fight doing so, I would imagine it's going to be sometime early in the first or second round. And as the fight goes on, I think that weapon will become less dangerous. But, I mean, Johnny Hendricks has shown time and time again that he can find the ability to land that left hand using a different number of setups. So I'm sure he's been training new ways to land it, new ways to set it up. And I would be really shocked if this entire fight went down and he, George didn't get hit without at least once. And then obviously the big question is how he'll react to it if he's going to get skid marked across the entire cage like some of these other guys or if he's going to be able to recover and you know come back and all that stuff. Definitely. Now, you being MMAJunkie.com stat guy, I'm going to ask you as we go, out, as we go through this card, um, what's the one stat from this fight that is most memorable for you? Uh, for George? Yeah. I mean... For him, it's just such a big fight in terms of like his overall UFC resume. If he wins, he'll have the most victories in UFC history. And it's like how, you know, statistic-wise, how much more impressive can it get? You have the most wins ever. That kind of makes you stand as one of the best fighters to ever compete in the organization. Then he also, he'll pass BJ Penn with 40, for the most total fight time ever in UFC history with 40 seconds, which I would imagine the fight's going to go longer than that. So those are really the two major things in terms of GSP's kind of legacy here. Now the co-main event is a battle between Fox Sports 1 analysts Rashad Evans and uh, Chael Sonnen. Evans is coming into this bout as the favorite. However, I think these two are extremely close in terms of styles other than Evans being slightly faster. Um, what are your thoughts on the matchup? Man, this, this should be a really fun one. I mean, if we're talking a little bit about statistics and stuff, I tweeted this out the other day. I mean, Rashad Evans has the most takedowns landed ever in light heavyweight history. Chael Sonnen has the most in middleweight history. So that clearly shows these are two of the best wrestlers in the UFC right now. So I think in terms of that, it's an interesting matchup to see who's going to get the better of the wrestling and all that stuff. And I just think this is a, I mean, 
who knows how it's really going to play out. But in terms of like big names that the UFC can offer, Rashad Evans and Chael Sonnen are way up there. So this is a really attractive fight. And I think I kind of wish it had been promoted a little more because both these guys are just such good fighters and big draws in the company. But obviously when you have GSP ahead of them, uh, he's going to take most of the focus away. Yeah, looking at the main event, co-main event, actually almost all of the fights on the main card, they could either be extremely exciting or absolute stalemates. Yeah, I mean, there's that potential there. We saw with Roy McDowell's last fight that everyone thought that was just going to be a barn burner, barn burner with Jake Ellenberger, and that ended up being a really dull fight. And, you know, Robbie Lawler kind of presents similar threats to Roy McDowell. So if he chooses to implement a similar game plan and he can execute it, that could turn out, you know, to not be the most exciting fight. And same with Josh Koscheck and Tyrone Woodley. I mean, we saw Tyrone Woodley's last fight against Jake Shields. That was just not impressive at all. And he's been known to have some lackluster fights. And Koscheck's usually pretty good, but he's obviously had some of that criticism throughout his career. It's been in peaks and valleys more for him. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. And then Tim Elliott and uh, Ali, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name at the minute. I wouldn't imagine that's going to be a fun fight because flyweights usually produce, you know, exciting matchups. But I I totally see where you're coming from there. Now, back to the Chael Sonnen Rashad Evans fight. Um, With the victor, where do you see the winner ending up in this division? Well, I mean, we already know what's going to happen with Chael Sonnen, win or lose. He's going to go on to do the whole coaching thing on the Ultimate Fighter with Vanderlei Silva, which I almost think is kind of a shame, especially if he wins. I mean, we... Beating Rashad Evans means something very significant in this sport. You look at the guys who have beat him, and, I mean, Lil Nog was the last person to do it, and he has been set up for some big fights. Obviously, he's had his injury problems, and he hasn't been able to make it to them. But, you know, if you beat Rashad Evans, you are are going very near to title contention. And Chael Sonnen, if he wins, still have so much momentum, but then he's going to fight a guy who's not even in the top 10 and really isn't going to push him anywhere closer to a title. So I think that's kind of the downside for Chael Sonnen. And for Rashad Evans, I mean, he's still kind of on the comeback trail he won his last fight, but it wasn't particularly impressive against Dan Henderson. Or it wasn't the most exciting fight. So I think Rashad kind of has something to prove here. Needs like a dominant or winner, even a finish to show that he can still be a contender in the light heavyweight division, that he can get that rematch with John Jones that he's talked about a lot about wanting. Yeah, now many people are very excited to see the bout between Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald. Um, many were questioning it, however, when the fight was first announced because, you know, it is Robbie Lawler. He is, he, he is you know, a veteran of the sport, but he's come on so strong as of late. I'm a big believer in Rory McDonald, but Lawler is always, you know, one punch away from finishing any of his opponents. Um, do you feel McDonald should be taking this fight extremely seriously, even though um, Lawler isn't the big name that, that many people expected him to face? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it'd be foolish of him to underestimate Robbie Lawler in any way, especially considering how good Robbie's looked since coming back to the welterweight division, coming back to the UFC. So I think Rory knows this is a pretty serious fight for him. I mean, he a win over Robbie Lawler is significant. I mean, he might not be in his prime anymore. Maybe he is. We haven't really seen. He's still a young guy. We'll kind of find out. But this is a very serious fight for Rory McDonald. And if he loses, that kind of 
knocks him out of any title contention. So he, regardless of the name value of his opponent, he needs to keep winning if he eventually needs to get that title shot. So that makes it the most important fight of his career. Now, are you surprised at all that there isn't more talk about this fight, especially with the fact that McDonald is so close to title contention? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Uh, no, because you look at the guys who are ahead of him on this card, Chael Sonnen, George St. Pierre, Rashad Evans, those are probably three of the top 10 pay-per-view draws in the entire company. So that's not really surprising. And then, But on the flip side, Robbie, Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald are both top 10 fighters in that division. So in that sense, maybe this should be getting a little more attention. But I think on any other card, this would be the co-main event or even a main event fight. It's just a product of circumstance and the fact that he's on a, this fight is on a card that has you know, the biggest pay-per-view draw in the entire sport. Definitely. Now, a couple more fights before we uh, finish with the fight card. We got um, Josh Koscheck stepping back inside the octagon against Tyron Woodley. Um, I believe this this matchup is is extremely difficult for Koscheck, especially with the fact that he, he he's taking on a dangerous wrestler who could still stall the fight a little bit. Um, what do you think and who do you favor in this matchup? This is a tough one to predict because we just, it's hard to say really where Josh Koscheck is at this point in his career. I mean, he's had the two losses back to back. He's like 35 now. I think this is going to be his 23rd UFC fight, which is like the fourth most ever, something like that. So this guy's been around for a long time and he's had a lot of fights in the UFC. So this is a tough matchup for him. I mean, Tyrone Woodley is the younger fighter. He's probably the hunger, hungrier fighter. He has more goals to kind of accomplish in the sport as to Koscheck. He's fought for the belt. He's, you know, been there, done that. So this is a tough fight for Koscheck. And, but I think if he can, you know, hold off this younger, hungrier fighter, that will show that he, you know, isn't done and still has more to give in his career. But this is a tough fight kind of for both of them. But I think it, this is going to be really telling for what the future holds for Josh Koscheck. Now, finally, Mike, kicking off the pay-per-view portion of the card is a bout that fans will definitely be on their feet for. We see it with all the flyweight fights. Tim Elliott taking on Ali Bagatonov, or however you want to say the guy's last name. Um, they'll battle in a division that isn't extremely deep. So a win for either one of these two puts them in a very good position. Um, who are you taking in this one, Mike? Uh, well, we did our fight card predictions for the USA Today pullout section, shameless plug that's going to come out uh, this Friday in the USA Today Sports. And I picked uh, Bagatinov. I know people are favoring Elliot, but for me right now, I mean, you look at these Russian guys in the UFC, they're just absolutely killing it in every weight class. And, you know, I just think we might. I think Elliot's the more well-rounded fighter here, but I think Bagatinov has the more power, and I am thinking he's going to catch him at some point, even though you don't see you know, knockouts a ton in the flyweight division. I think this is going to be one of the circumstances where we do see it. Definitely. Now, it, it's definitely a fun fight card overall in terms of big names. It's the 20th anniversary um, on Tuesday, I believe, was the 20th anniversary for the UFC. Just before we let you go here... Um, why don't you give us your most memorable experience of the UFC over the last 20 years? For me, man, I mean, there's, there's two, ultimately. My first one will be 
the first live event I ever went to, which was UFC 67 way back when, and that was in uh, Las Vegas, and I was like only like 16 years old or so. And I remember uh, I showed up to the event. I think it was a little bit late. Uh, I can't remember what happened. I think we like got lost or something. I don't know. Um, and I showed up a little bit late, and I think the second fight of the night was Frankie Edgar and Tyson Griffin. And I went into the arena, and I sat down, and that was, like one of, at the time, one of the most amazing fights I'd ever seen. I think that was like a fight of the year candidate back then, and my mind was just blown. I was so excited to be there. That fight, I was just like, wow, this is awesome. And you know, you'll hear Dana White in interviews kind of talk about the experience of the live event he'll be like you think you like this stuff on tv and i'd only been watching mma for like a year and he says you know you watch this on tv but when you come to the live event that's when you really kind of pushes you over the edge and that was totally what happened to me i was a huge fan but then i went to the live event and that just like blew it up by infinity i loved it so much after that and uh that's ultimately probably one of the reasons why i'm covering the sport now and then secondly the experience of ufc 129 here in toronto uh, with George St. Pierre fighting Jake Shields in front of 55,000 people. There were some great fights on that card. and Just the entire moment of being in that arena with all the that record crowd was really something special that I'll never forget. Definitely. Mike, thanks a lot for uh, doing this first portion of the, of the radio show with me today. Just let people know where they can check out your stuff. Obviously, MMAJunkie.com, but also where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mike Bon MMA, M-I-K-E-B-O-H-N-M-M-A. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the best way to get a hold of me. You can tweet me and I'll uh, do my best to get back to you. Thanks a bunch, Mike. And that's enough of us talking. Let's get right on with the show. Okay, thanks so much for having me. Faith, I've been blessed. Thank God. All the blessings I got in my life. My family, my friends, my crew, my girl, my little boy. I got faith. I never gonna lose that faith. Joining me now is the man known as the Casey Bandit. Also, uh, his Twitter says he's the most exciting guy around. So please welcome Jason Hyde to the show. Jason, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Now, it was only announced about a month back that you would be on the UFC 167 fight card. How stoked were you to be on such a stacked card? Uh, cool, man. I'm, I'm just glad to stay busy. But, yeah, definitely it's cool to be on the 20th anniversary and big, the big card, a lot of exposure. So I'm, I'm excited, man. Now, I, I, I was catching up with what you had going on on Twitter last night. And it seems like a bunch of people bugging you about all this cutting weight and stuff. I saw donuts all over the place. I saw the fact that you wanted to eat donuts. What was all that about? I don't know, man. I just I saw somebody on my timeline talking about donuts, and I you know I really like donuts. So now you've brought it up again, and I want donuts. <laughs> and you know, now nah, you know. It's, it's just you, you have these weird cravings, of, you know, when you start getting close to the fight. So that's all that is, man. Just a just a big craving that I can't indulge right now. Does that happen a I lot? Like, yeah, for sure. Now you've only fought once in your professional career in Las Vegas. Um, what's it like to fight in the mecca of MMA? That's cool, man. Great atmosphere. Uh, you know, everybody's tuned up. You know, I mean, it's. It's awesome. I mean, it's a good, great environment to, to, to fight, you know. 
So, will you, will you be taking in any of the atmosphere prior to the fight? Um, yeah, I'll probably lay low before the fight, you know. But uh, you know, I'm not gonna go. Uh, I don't gamble much anyway, so you know, it's, I'll probably just be chilling before the fight, do my usual thing, just hang out, watch the TV, relax, you know. Now, before we get to your upcoming matchup, I'd like to take you back a little. Um, you fought a one-off fight with the UFC where you lost via decision to Charlie Brenneman. A little surprising for, for you to be cut after only one fight, but you were able to build off this and go on a seven-fight win streak to get back to the big show. What did you learn in those three years away from the organization? Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it wasn't really that surprising that they let me go. But, you know, it happens. I don't know. I, I was just I was just trying to stay busy. The main thing I learned from that fight, though, is just, you know, that I can't let somebody control me on the mat like that. You know, I kind of I kind of was uh, rolling around trying to play a little too much jujitsu with Charlie. So I played into a strategy. And that's, that's, I'd say that's the main thing I learned in, those, in that time. Now, you were able to bounce back from the Eric Silva loss with a big guillotine choke victory against James Head. Um, what do you know about your upcoming opponent, Anthony Lapsley, and does this fight excite you? Yeah, he's a tough guy, man. 22 and 5, a lot of experience. Uh, mostly a grappler. So, I mean, of course the fight excites me. Uh, anytime you, number one, get a chance to fight, um, you know, stay busy, and number two in Vegas and on a big card, I mean, of course, it's exciting. If you can't, you know, if you're not excited to fight, you probably need to do something else with your life, you know? <laughs> now, both you and Lapsley are on an 8-1 and one run. Um, both have wrestling backgrounds. Where do you see yourself having the advantage in this fight? Um, you know, I don't think I have the advantage everywhere, you know? So he, he's tough, but I think, especially in his strongest area, which is grappling, I think I'm better, you know, so... Um, not to say it's going to be an easy fight, but I really think that if I go in and, you know, play my game and dictate where the fight goes, then I, I really don't think he can beat me. Now, saying that, in a perfect world, how would you end up beating him at UFC 167? Um, I'd like to knock him out, you know, just because I don't do that very often. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Going yeah. through your credentials... You're a big fan of the guillotine choke. Uh, is this something you look for a lot in practice, or, or does and does it just come second nature in a fight to you then? Yeah, I honestly don't look for it a lot in practice. It just happens. Like you know, I just end up there um, and fights off. So you know, I don't look for it. You know, try to push and stuff. But I do find myself there a lot, like a lot, a lot. You know, so um, yeah. Is it is it your favorite submission though? Yeah, it has to say, I mean, just based on the frequency that I submit people with it, it would definitely be my, my go-to. Now, if... It's getting to the point where, like, people know that, you know, so I'm interested to see how how it changes people's strategy against me, you know? Maybe it will let you get the knockout then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, in a perfect world... Um, looking ahead into the future, when would we when would we like to see uh, Jason High step back into the octagon after this fight? Like, how frequently would you like uh, to fight? First, first quarter of the, of the year, I'd say. I'd like to fight three three to four times a year. You know, I like staying busy. 
Perfect. He is Jason High. He's taking on Anthony Lapsley at UFC 167 this Saturday night. Uh, Jason, all the best, and and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Um, you can find me on Twitter, of course, at Casey Bandit MMA or Facebook dot com slash Casey Bandit MMA. Also on my website, uh, Highfighter dot com. So I'll be I'll be there. Instagram, all that. Perfect, Jason. Uh, hope you enjoy Vegas. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, good luck on Saturday. All right, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Jason, hi. He will be taking on Anthony Lapsley at UFC 167 this Saturday night. Uh, very exciting fight. Two decorated wrestlers who will take each other on and, and look to move up that ladder in the division. So hopefully, obviously, we hope for our guest to win the fight. But, you know, all the best to Anthony Lapsley as well. Jason High is is one of Mike Kogan's guys, and thanks to Mike for helping me set up that interview. Um, not much else to say. We had the whole chat about UFC 167 in the intro. So without further ado, let's get to my next guest. Welcome to the show, the Vice President or Director of Sales and Marketing of Five Star Fight League, Tasha Mitron. Tasha, thanks for taking the time out of your day to do this. Thanks for having me. Now, this past weekend, you and the folks at Five Star held their 10th event in the organization's very, very young career. Um, Before we get into that, why don't you just let our listeners know how you got into the profession of promoting fights? Oh wow! Okay, well, it was actually uh, it was it was kind of a lucky a lucky break for me. Um, I have a long history of uh, working in marketing, uh, mostly with media. I worked for radio station and television station for a long time, and um, so I had that as background already. But uh, I kind of got involved with it as a sport when um, I was out there looking for uh, some new exercise to do and found kickboxing and uh, just got really, really into it. Um, And before I knew it, I uh, had not only been training a lot, but then I started teaching my own classes. Um, And then uh, when Justin and I met, uh, he had some visions of opening his own MMA gym and, uh, of course, the vision of the Fight League. And uh, I had the, you know, the teaching with the ladies kickboxing behind me, so that uh, helped with the gym. And with all my marketing experience, I was able to lend a hand with uh, the Fight League. So uh, it was just kind of crazy how it all just sort of came together. And the more I got involved with the sport, the more I fell in love with it. And, uh, and you know, training along uh, with, with fighters and stuff like that in the gyms and getting to know them and then going off to support them in their fights um, and watching them fighting for other promotions, watching Justin, you know, manage and corner them and, and uh, just seeing how they were being treated and all that kind of stuff. We, uh, you know, when we started the Fight League, we had this vision of doing a better job of it and so me being able to be that close to all of them uh was able, you know helped me to sort of put into five star now the things that we're famous for which is treating the fighters well and, and being good to the sponsors and uh, just really having a respect for the sport in general now the yeah. fi- the five star name has been around for for quite some time we've seen it um dawned in the ufc on fighters like brendan schaub and stuff like that um that was a, that was a, a clothing company that you guys took over, correct? 
Well, that Justin took over, actually. Yeah, he uh, he got in, uh, involved with the original owners of, of the clothing company. And, um, you know, it's it's a long story, but made short. He ended up uh, taking over all of the license agreements for, for Canada and uh, was trying to sort of resurrect the clothing brand because he really liked it and, and the philosophy behind what Five Star was. And um, in amongst all of that, with uh, starting the gym and starting the fight league, it just made sense to us to sort of uh, make it all make it all a five star product. It all sort of followed the same the same guidelines as the clothing, you know, the the respect and just the high quality and and uh, just wanting to uh, sort of follow all of that. So we just attached it to to the other two things. Now, as I said, yeah, you guys held your 10th event in Grand Prairie this past Friday night, and fans that were in attendance, I heard, were treated to a night of fantastic MMA action. Um, you had two title, <laughs> it was unreal. You had two title fights on the card. Just give us your feedback on the card in general from a first-hand standpoint. Well, well, the card in general was just unreal from the first fight to the last. I mean, the... Uh... The first one, it opened up. Morgan Littlechild took that fight, um, and it was crazy. It was just, like, very active. He had a lot of fans there. He brought a lot of family in from out of town, and they were, you know, screaming and yelling. The atmosphere kicked off high energy right from the very beginning. Um, and every fight after that was exciting in one way or another. I mean, um, you got Rick Pfeiffer and uh, and Delgado there. They they were just super energetic. We were calling it the slam fest. You know, they were just picking each other up and slamming each other like crazy. And then, of course, the bloodbath that everybody saw with... Uh, with the cheering, <laughs> cheering against Kennedy there, he, he opened that poor kid up and he was a bloody mess and it was crazy. The crowd was going wild for that. And, um, you know, of course, he got, you know, Duncan and Cody going at it, both super talented guys, both with great personalities too. Like they're exactly the kind of guys that we like ha- having on the promotion. They're pumping up the crowd, super respectful to each other and, and uh, you know, slugged it out, both of them with big big bumps and bruises on their face at the end and smiling and, you know, that was great. And then, of course, the, the title matches. The uh, the Freeman fight, uh, Freeman and Date fight was kind of exciting for me. I know Chad a little bit. We've worked with him and the guys uh, from their gym. And uh, he was very pumped up. This fight was supposed to happen in May at our Dawson Creek show. And very last minute, uh, Zach had a, uh, an injury and he had to pull from the fight. And it was too short notice to report place the fighter and Chad was ready to fight and so there's been a lot of hype and sort of build up around this fight all the way since May so I was excited to see that and uh and it was vicious the uh that guillotine he he caught him in was so tight I actually I the ref actually stopped before Zach had a chance to tap like I mean it looked like Chad was going to rip his head off it was insane I've never seen anything like that so um and of course too with the with the main event Gary being out of our gym I mean we're really excited for this fight you know, we uh, we had high hopes for Gary, but you know, in the end, Craig's a great guy. He's a good fighter, and I can't take anything away from him. He he did his job, and uh, you know, he's a great guy too. So I mean, it is what it is. It was all exciting. It was all all really great fights. I was lucky enough to come to your uh, Penticton fight card and do some post fight interviews with the fighters in the cage. Um, right. And you guys have some fantastic talent on your roster. How do you go about scouting these fighters? Obviously, you have your gym, which you mentioned, and, and you guys yeah. um, push fighters out of that. But is the majority of your off time in between events scouting fighters to bring onto these cards? 
Well, a little bit yes and no. I mean, uh, as you know, Oris Zimdak, he works for us too, and he's been involved in this for a long, long time. And some of these guys were just, you know, uh, guys we got to know uh, through Oris because he has experience with, you know, them fighting before and their trainers and whatnot. But um, what's been really cool to see is uh, as we've sort of been traveling around and scouting out our different locations we always want to work closely with the gyms and we always get really involved and I mean as you know Justin and I both train a little bit so it's always fun because when we're traveling we can kind of get into those gyms kind of get down on the level we train with them a little we get to know them a little and uh it just it didn't take long between you know or before the, the relationships between Justin and the fighters were picking up and to be perfectly honest like we hardly go out scouting for talent anymore like it seems like every other day we've got an email or a Facebook message or another call from another manager or fighter or organization somewhere they want to fight for us so it's, it's kind of cool because now Justin has this big bank of fighters that he can sort of choose from and and, uh, you know, it's fun. He's always doing his research, too. We're always watching tape and always trying to find out about these guys. And like I say, meet them and spend time with them whenever absolutely possible. Just, uh, you know, to make sure that we're getting the kind of guys we want to have on the cards all the time. Now, it's great that they want to come fight for you guys. But with the likes of World Series of Fighting taking over AFC and bringing a bigger show to Vancouver, do you worry about your fighters dropping you guys for them? I mean, we've seen talent... Um, that was on your fight cards end up on the first WSOF Canada fight card? Oh, yeah, those guys went for sure. And, and no, we're not worried about it whatsoever. They're a bigger company. Um, we don't expect that they're going to be terribly active here uh, in Canada at all, let alone in BC. Um, BC is our... our our home, this is where we want to stay. We, we go a little bit into Alberta, but we don't expect to see them a whole lot around here. And uh, to be perfectly honest, we're all about our fighters. We're all about supporting them and their careers. Those guys are showing up on that card. We gladly release them from their contracts for the, that one fight, get some exposure, go and uh, fight for a little bit bigger organization, and just, you know, if they can prove their careers and we can help them do that, that's what we want to do. And in fact, we're actually flying down there. Uh, we're going to go take in the show show and you know support those guys that you know they're our boys and uh and to see what the you know what what world Series of fighting is doing and check out their show and and uh yeah so we're not worried about it at all we think it's a great opportunity for those guys and um there's a reason that those guys are our guys you know they they like fighting for us because we treat them well and if there's an opportunity for them to advance and go places then they end up leaving us for a bigger organization, well, we'll be happy to send them off, you know what I mean? We, uh, we always want to support their careers. That's great to hear, because you don't hear that from many promotions. I mean, there are, yes, there are feeder leagues out there, but you don't hear many promotions say, we will gladly send you off to, to do bigger and brighter things, which is great to hear out of you guys. You mentioned in that last answer that you guys are a traveling show throughout British Columbia. Is this what Five Star wants to stick to, or will you branch out of BC at some point, other than the little Alberta shows that you guys end up doing? Um, I mean, you never, you never want to say never, but um, uh, so far the plan is uh, is to stick around BC. I mean, this is our home. This is where we're from. Um, one of the biggest things that we've noticed is, um, you know, this being our first year, every time we were going into a new market with the show... Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. It's, you know, trying to sell the new brand and uh, get people, you know, sort of giving, trying to give them the idea of what one of our shows is like without them actually attending is, is actually kind of tough. 
every single time someone comes to our show, they tell us, I had no idea it would be this good. Because we're doing it different than what people are used to seeing, right? So um, what's exciting for us is now this next year is going to be revisiting those cities. Now that we've had a chance to go in and, and lay the groundwork, now we just want to grow the relationships, not just with the fighters, but with the community, with the sponsors that get behind us. You know, we'd like to just keep staying staying there. The other thing, too, is our big thing is about sticking to the smaller cities. Um, you know, it's been a challenge for a long time for fighters to be able to fight in their hometowns, have hometown support. You know, they always got to travel to bigger cities. And then even, even uh, you know, fans, they got to travel to the big cities and, you know, pay all that money and whatnot to, uh, to go and take in these live events. And by us sticking to the smaller cities, we're sort of catering to those fighters and to those fans and allowing them that experience in their hometown. So, um, you know, with us being familiar with BC, this is where we're from, um, it just made perfect sense for us to just keep the circuit going here for now. And, I mean, there's always opportunities down the road that may come up. So, like I say, never say never. But <laughs> but so far, the plan is to definitely just hang out around here. For sure. Just a few more questions here before we let you go. Um, speaking of sticking around sure. in BC, um, the Penticton Fight Card was the first show that you guys had um, the opportunity to work with the new British Columbia Athletic Commission. Um, what are your general thoughts on the way the commission is running things in BC at the moment? And do you have any suggestions for them going forward? Well, that's not really, um, a fair question for me to answer being that, um, you know, our first experience with them was when like, oh gosh, I think it had been, we were actually driving down for, uh, four or five days before the fight when we got the call that this this was all going to happen <laughs> and it was their first event it was um you know a little bit unorganized at the beginning but i have to say like everybody was so great and trying to work together and trying to make things happen um so my side of it what i got to see um was just that they were doing everything that they could to make it happen um as easy as we possibly could ha- you know have it happen while still obeying all the rules and having all the paperwork done properly and everything else like that um, Justin was the one who was handling, you know, all of all of that stuff directly, and he was the one dealing directly with the commission. Um, so he might be a better person to answer that, you know, in more detail. But as far as what I could see, they were doing their best to help us out, and um, you know, they're still, uh, they're still, they're still, they're still learning and going and you know um we haven't had another show in bc since that one so um you know i i expect our next experience though is going to be it's going to be great fair enough fair enough now i've had a number of people ask me where they can watch five star if they're not um at the event live because you just said that you know people say um what's a five star event like and and you have a tough time explaining it without them actually being there so the question that i ask and I would like to know as well going forward, have you guys been looking at TV deals or will streaming online be the way to go for you guys? Absolutely. We actually have just recently uh, partnered up with EON Therapeutics, their supplement brand out of Vancouver. Um, they are uh, not only you know sponsoring fighters, and, and uh, we've actually been, been working with their product a little bit like in our gym, um, but they also do a lot of filming. They make promo videos and they film fights and things like that. They filmed our Penticton fight um, and then they actually were here in Grand Prairie with us this last weekend filming the fight. They filmed the city. They did a lot of great work um, 
catching everything from our training here in Fort St. John to pre and post event, uh, as well as covering the event. So um, we will have uh, a DVD made up that will be available for purchase. But moving forward, this company is going to be covering all of our events in the future. And uh, come the new year, we will have capabilities of live streaming. So people can look forward to that, catching the shows in live time. (laughs) (laughs) That leads me right into my final question for you. Five Star Fight League, just give us an outlook. What can we see out of you guys in 2014? You can just keep seeing more of what you've been seeing. You know, having your having your socks blown off because we're putting on more great shows. We're going to, uh, you know, our our big thing is the attention to detail, and that's exactly what we're going to keep doing. We've learned a lot this last year. We've put on great shows, but now we know, you know, we know more. We can do more, and uh, you can just keep seeing the great. Great quality you've been seeing from us. Um, you're going to see the show cut back a little bit uh, in 2014. We, we uh, you know, we wanted to come out with a bang, and I think that we did that. I think that we made we made our footprint, and now uh, we can sort of take a step back, do fewer shows. We plan for six, possibly eight, this next year. Uh, Ten was a lot. That was a lot of work. We, we want to make sure that every show gets the high quality and full attention that it absolutely deserves. So we're just going to uh, we're going to slow it down a little bit and. Uh, you know, do fewer shows, but same as you've seen, just great entertaining cards, you know, good guys, strong athletes, you know, the great atmosphere that we, we work really hard to make sure every event has. We want it to be a great experience for not just the fighters and the fans, but the sponsors and the entire community of the city that we're working with. So, um, yeah, you can expect, you can expect that. <laughs> Will we see you in the lower mainland Vancouver area in 2014? Well, you know, um, we're t- talking about it we're talking about it it wasn't something that we uh had thought about doing venturing in to that area um just like i'd mentioned before we like the idea of sticking to the small towns but um we're working really closely with a couple of of gyms around that area there and um you know great fighters and great support and um you know i think there may be possibility uh for us to to venture out that way so we're hoping when we head down for uh, the World Series of Fighting Cards. We're going to do some some scouting and checking things out, and uh, you just never know. Stay tuned, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a bunch, Tasha, for uh, joining us today, and, and just let people know where they can get more information about Five Star Fight League. Five Star Fight League, um, I would say the most up-to-date information on an ongoing basis is uh, to check us out on the Facebook page which is Five Star Fight League on Facebook. Um, you know, we're always posting on there photos and uh, updates and things like that. So definitely check us out there. You can also check us out on the website, um, www.fivestar-athletics.com. And um, yeah, other than those two, I think that's probably that's probably your best source of information. Of course, always checking out MMA Sucker. You guys are always keeping our, our updates going. So <laughs> always keep uh, checking that out too. Thanks a lot, Tasha. Great chatting with you, and uh, all the best to Five Star Fight League and its future. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you very, very much, Tasha Mitron, for uh, taking the time out to to talk about Five Star Fight League and all the fantastic things that they have going on in British Columbia. Um, They have some fantastic fighters. They show love for their fighters. They're not one of those slimy promoters who... You know, does everything just to have a great organization, but they actually care about their fighters. And, and you could hear that from the way she was talking in the interview. Um, look forward to their next event, obviously, probably going to be in early 2014. Uh, but this 
This year has been huge for Five Star Fight League, and I was lucky enough, as I said in that interview, to be able to go and do some post-fight interviews a la Joe Rogan style um, in Penticton, and and that was a blast, and I would love to do that again for Five Star, so hopefully we can work something out there. Uh, Enough about that. The big news, while I was recording this podcast, it came out that Bellator has released Ben Askren. Uh, his his contract was up after his last fight where where he defended his welterweight championship and and they've been going back and forth. Dana White has said, you know, I didn't want Ben Askren anyway. Uh, Bjorn Rebney talking about Ben Askren and and he's a great champion. He's a great fighter. He's one dimensional in his wrestling, as many people say. But you know what? It's only a matter of time, I believe, until the UFC signs this guy because. We need to see how he stacks up against UFC-caliber fighters, and the UFC welterweight division is stacked, so it would be a nice little mix to throw Ben Askren in there and, and see where he ends up in the UFC rankings. Not much else to talk about on this show. We had an extensive talk with Mike Bond in the start about UFC 167. I'd like to thank Mike for that. Um, I'd like to thank Jason High for joining me. Um, and chatting about his upcoming fight and and sort of how he led his way back to the UFC for this second second chance and and stuff. And also, I'd like to thank Tasha Mitron, as I said, um, from Five Star Fight League. Her and Justin are doing big things, and and I can only wish them the best. So thank you to them. Thank you to my musical guest Volta Sun. It's my buddy Jason Weiner. You can check them out on SoundCloud. You can check out their website voltasun.com. Um, so thank you to him. And I will be back next week for another episode of Sucker Radio. Catch you on the flip side. Say so you're a freshman, right? Yeah. Right, so tell me, man, how's this year's crop of freshman chicks look? <laughs> what, you gonna end up in jail sometime really soon? I know that fact. No, man. Yeah. No, man, I tell you. Yeah. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> Thank you.